I'm Allie Caldwell for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. Today on N Equals One, I'm talking to Alec Kalak, a physician scientist in training in his second year of medical school. I talked to him about his path to medicine, his efforts to advocate for more Native Americans in medical careers, and his future goals as a doctor and scientist. Here is Alec Kalak. Would you please introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, Miu. Uh, hello, Ali. Uh, my name is Alec Kalak, and I am a member of the Palma Band of Luceno Indians, which is a small tribe in North County, San Diego. And I am a second-year MD-PhD student at UCSD, where I lead the Association of Native American Medical Students. Excellent. How did you become interested in pursuing medicine? Uh, my father uh, is a physician. Uh, he is uh, dual-boarded in internal medicine and pediatrics, and for the past 16 years, he has been the medical director of the Indian Health Council, which is a uh, tribally operated Indian Health Service clinic um, right in the middle of Palma Valley, uh, closer towards Palomar Mountain. So I've had a particular kind of penchant for just medicine and science and just this innate curiosity to understand the world around me. And, um, you know, I probably took a little bit after my father, but, you know, in the end, uh, medicine was really about making that individual impact um, you know, from day to day for my patients, as well as the health of my community. Was there anything about watching your dad when you were growing up that was really, you know, kind of made you think like, that's definitely what I want to do? Mm-hmm. I would say that uh, my father always brought work home and that uh, we would often get sick <laughs> um, <laughs> every few months. Um, but I'd probably say that just seeing, um, seeing the impact that my father made in that, you know, we'd be at a grocery store or a movie theater growing up in Escondido and you know someone would just say hey Dr. Kalak you know it's you know it's so weird to see you outside of the clinic like you know you're a real person mm-hmm. um so it's you know it's stuff, stuff like that so those little moments when you were growing up what path brought you specifically to the MD PhD what made you decide that you also wanted to do research in addition to medicine when I graduated uh, from Cathedral Catholic High School in Del Mar, um, I was applying to college and unfortunately did not receive admission to UC San Diego. So I traded the West Coast for the Sonoran Desert and went to the University of Arizona. Um, you know, about hour flight, about 400 miles, and it was different because I was 17. I was all alone. You know, mm. I picked these difficult science majors, uh, neuroscience and biology, and you know, it was about finding community. So when I, um, you know, looked for resources, I found the Native American Research and Training Center, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the, uh, I believe, the Department of Family and Community Medicine there at U of A. And, um, you know, their director said, you know, just stay with me and, you know, we'll find support. And throughout the year, you know, she kind of pointed me towards different opportunities um, and eventually led me to actually do three summer internships at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. Oh, wow. Um, and those uh, were probably some of the best summers in that um, I never went home. I just proceeded to go farther away from home and really <laughs> oh, kind of discover, you know, who I was and kind of my interests. Um, mm-hmm. So working um, in a neuroscience laboratory and interacting with other Native American summer interns um, really allowed me to flesh out what I wanted to do for my career, because um, I knew that I uh, wanted to go to medical school, but seeing, you know, at least interacting in kind of a lab setting, I really started to think more critically and say, you know, how does research fit into this? Like, mm-hmm. should I go to graduate school instead? And kind of like a, 
um, kind of like a oscillating pendulum. Um, I kind of <laughs> went between medical school and graduate school um, and ultimately came in the middle where I decided on both, uh, much to the surprise of my parents. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Just an additional eight years of education. It's fine. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> It sounds like, you know, it's really remarkable how sometimes finding that community and finding, you know, like having one really supportive mentor can really help um, support people trying to figure out a career path. Do you feel like that's a pretty common story in other people you know in your field? Certainly. I would say that if I were to put all the mentors that have led me to this exact recording room today, um, they would not fit in this room. Um, there would probably be a line out the door. Mm-hmm. So how does it feel to be back at UC San Diego after not coming here for undergrad? Was it like kind of exciting to get to come back? Sure. So I'd always like to say West Coast, best coast. Um, <laughs> I, I decided to take two years off um, after I, I graduated from U of A to return uh, to the NIH where um, I did a little bit of research, um, was applying to medical school, writing my personal statement, which probably took about 30 revisions, um, but also ultimately found an interest in health and science policy um, and that uh, the director of the NIH, Dr. Francis Collins, invited me to be on this panel of trainees addressing the House Labor HHS Appropriations Subcommittee um, to advocate for the importance of uh, diversity in STEM, as well as the importance of funding biomedical research. And after that opportunity, I said, what can you do with advocacy? Um, and I um, you know, was fortunate to receive an email saying that there was a new Tribal Youth Health Policy Fellowship with the National Indian Health Board in Washington, D.C., and I uh, took part in that opportunity for uh, the next about year and a half um, and saw um, the importance of youth advocacy and looking at the issues that affect uh, rural and urban American Indian communities and taking a lot of that advocacy and actually making it uh, real legislation, which was introduced in the 115th and 116th sessions of Congress. Cool. It sounds like advocacy wasn't necessarily your plan from the beginning. Did you feel initially that your interest in science was pretty divided from your identity um, and that it sort of came together during that experience? Or do you feel like they were always kind of playing together and then it was once you had this opportunity that you really were like, oh, this is like something I really want to be working on? I think my interests were, um, you know, at the start of things, very parallel, um, and then kind of thinking about what I really wanted to do when I uh, committed to the MD-PhD route is that I saw how kind of intersectional things were, and that, you know, the um, you know the exam room is not removed from the politics of medicine, and there are um, you know decisions being made, you know. At, either at the state or national um, level um, that affect how patient care is being delivered. So, you know, I really see advocacy in that you are advocating to change the system in which you practice to really tackle issues um, like structural racism as well as um, uh, implicit bias. That's really great. So now that you're a student at UC San Diego in the MD-PhD program, what does your advocacy look like these days? When I started medical school, you know, I kind of looked around and started to meet with the deans and other kind of student affinity organizations like the Student National Medical Association and the Latino Medical Student Association. And I asked, you know, what are we doing for Native American or American Indian health? And the answer that I frequently came across was, not sure, or... You know, are there tribes in this area? So to be from San Diego and to hear that 
kind of our, um, you know, kind of little medical community wasn't aware of um, the American Indian communities in San Diego was um, a little concerning. So I, you know, kind of um, you know, really worked to understand um, what, um, you know, what had been done in the past, or at least um, what had been tried. Um, so um, I had uh, learned from my father that there had been uh, some outreach between the School of Medicine and some of the Indian health clinics, but um, those uh, conversations essentially faltered. So I um, did what I did best, and I I made a little logo that said the Association of Native American Medical Students connected with the national form of that organization um, and started out uh, doing work that I thought would raise awareness to a lot of the issues that face Native American communities. Would you mind telling us about some of those challenges? You know, my primary focus at UC San Diego has been around um, health equity and education attainment. Mm. Um, so if you were in a room of um, 100 Native kindergartners, around 70 of them would finish high school and seven of them would finish college. Mm. Um, so to, um, you know, have, um, you know, to get a room where you have a kindergartner who eventually goes on to medical school, you know, you probably need several hundred kindergartners. Wow. So it's, um, you know, very kind of pressing need. One of the most challenging issues um, that faces um, American Indian Alaska Native communities is the shortage of physicians um, mm -hmm. as well as other health professionals. So there are some areas of the United States in tribal communities where the physician shortage can be up to 50 percent. Wow. Um, which is uh, really alarming. Yeah, absolutely. When I can imagine that part of the challenge too is if you don't have many people from your community attaining that medical education, then you also don't have people treating your community who understand the community concerns and needs of the people there. Mm -hmm, exactly. I I would say that something that I often heard from uh, my mentors was this kind of phrase of "you can't be what you can't see," and mm -hmm. I think I definitely internalized that as I uh, worked uh, towards medical school. But as I've you know, started to, you know, learn about the practice of medicine, I've seen that um, I actually disagree with that and that you can be, you can be whatever you don't see. Um, it just takes a lot more effort, yeah. um, which really speaks to the need to have, um, you know, native staff and faculty at UC San Diego, which can serve as your mentors and show you the visibility of that career path. Absolutely. Can you tell us about any specific projects that you're working on right now? I would say that my my goal for the Association of Native American Medical Students in my uh, eight years or eight expected years at UC <laughs> San Diego is that um, I'm working to make about 10 years of institutional change for each of those years. So by the end of my MD-PhD training, um, we'll likely be in the next century when it comes to uh, tackling Native American health. So one of the uh, most exciting initiatives that I was a part of uh, my first year of school was developing the Tribal Ambulatory Healthcare Experience, which is oh an my. elective now available to our first and second year medical students, which allows them to shadow physicians at the Indian Health Council, which is the uh, IHS clinic where my father is the medical director. So they'll be able to um, you know, work with Native physicians, um, learn from Native American patients, and really understand the unique delivery of care that's available through the IHS. That's a really great way of using your connections to sort of build a resource for other people to access. It's mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah, I would say um, you know, it's really important to build bridges and really show the visibility of you know, an often overlooked community and that um, you know, we've um, in the past year had representation from Native physicians um, at our uh, Medical Education for Diverse Students or MEDS conference, as well as the Making Medicine Equal conference, which is organized with some of our undergraduate partners. Cool. 
Can you tell us about some of your career goals, both as a physician and as a researcher? Sure. So, you know, when it comes to the MD-PhD uh, training route, it's uh, certainly a very long route with its uh, ups and downs. And I, I would like to think that towards the end of it, you know, I don't want an MD and a PhD, but I want an MD-PhD where I'm actively using both skill sets in whatever kind of... Um, you know, problem I'm addressing or situation that I'm in and that uh, clinically I'm thinking about my interests in American Indian health um, as well as um, research interests. I um, am really interested in adolescent and child psychiatry, looking at adverse childhood experiences um, as well as kind of public health or systems infrastructure and in that um, I'm hoping to complete my PhD in the joint doctoral program in public health uh, between San Diego State and UCSD. I'm curious what that sort of looks like on a like on the ground practical level. I'm not necessarily sure what that looks like mm -hmm. um, in that, um, you know, I will be transitioning to graduate school next year um, and, you know, learning from their faculty um, at both of our institutions, which I think is a strength because you get to work with so many different um, so many different partners, um, especially um, how um, I'd like to focus on more on a community-based approach. So um, this kind of methodology of community-based participatory research mm. um, with our Native American Research Center for Health, uh, which the um, Indian Health Council and UC San Diego and Cal State San Marcos, as well as San Diego State, have been in a very long-standing research partnership uh, through uh, federal grants, which promotes um, a lot of these community partnerships with the 18 tribes in San Diego County. Wow, very cool. What does the future of Native Americans in medicine look like to you? What kinds of programs would you like to see to help support their inclusion in this field? Mm -hmm. You know, when I look at the University of California, um, you know, I look at who came before me. Um, you know, just four years ago, there were no Native American medical school graduates from all six UC medical schools. Wow. Um, which is, to me, not just a problem, but a crisis. Mm -hmm. um, at UC San Diego, uh, from 1980 to 2017, we had 28 graduates, uh, which doing the math is less than one a year wow. in the county that has the most tribal nations of any county in the United States. So the future of natives in medicine, to me, is really ensuring that we have that geographical diversity really reflected in our student population, especially as we think about uh, workforce shortages um, in uh, rural and urban um, American Indian communities, mm -hmm. as well as across the state of California, where we have 109 tribal nations and about four dozen Indian health clinics. Wow. Yeah, that that's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's an issue that I've spent the past year really trying to understand in that um, at least in my mind, it's a matter of public policy in the state of California, because in 1996, uh, the California uh, state legislature and California voters enacted the California Civil Rights Initiative, which banned uh, the consideration of race and public education for admissions. So essentially mm -hmm. prohibiting affirmative action. Oh, wow. And the year um, that that initiative was signed into law, um, none of the 27 Native American applicants to UC San Diego School of Medicine were accepted. Wow. Um, or um, the 196 black applicants. Jeez. And we saw a marked uh, reduction in the number of acceptances offered to Latino students. Goodness. And we've certainly made strides in increasing uh, representation through kind of preparatory programs and really ensuring applicants are um, ready for medical school or medical training. Mm -hmm. um, however, we still have a long way to go when it comes to increasing Native American representation. So I think a lot of the programs that 
who are focusing on UC San Diego um, School of Medicine are looking to the leadership of a lot of the um, you know, staff and faculty that are tackling these issues every day. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware, but about uh, four years ago, uh, Vice Chancellor Becky Pettit uh, brought on Dr. Elena Hood as the inaugural director of the Intertribal Resource Center, which it serves as a space for Native um, undergraduates uh, and graduate students to really you know, have a space on campus and have a space where their community can be heard. So we have a lot of very um, exciting initiatives and events happening on this campus every day, mm-hmm. um, and as well as the uh, campus-wide events for National Native American Heritage Month, which should be announced in a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. fun question. I mean, it sounds like you're really busy with all of your advocacy work and then obviously doing two degrees. Um, But I'm curious if you have other hobbies or interests outside of of school that you enjoy. Um, I would say outside of school, um, you know, I'm cognizant of the fact that there are 24 hours per day. (laughs) Um, So there's not not too much time outside of my medical training as well as outside advocacy to really do uh, much. But I'd say that I spend... Um, whatever time I have left, uh, mentoring students, um, as well as, you know, really trying to put UC San Diego on the map when it comes to uh, medical training and engaging American Indian communities. Um, but aside from my my side passion and that side passion, side passion, <laughs> um, you can likely find me um, either in San Diego Bay um, near the water or hiking uh, through some of the beautiful mountains that we have across the county. Excellent. Do you surf? I do not serve. That would be dangerous. <laughs> You're very active on Twitter, and you talk about a lot of your advocacy uh, mm. interests on Twitter. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts or feelings on how digital media and social media platforms are sort of enabling and supporting this kind of advocacy and mm. increasing representation and visibility in STEM. I would say for Twitter, um, I have probably remade and deleted my Twitter account about five times (laughs) um, before finally committing to using it, mainly because I was sitting there saying, what's a hashtag? What does it mean for something to be trending? Um, And really, I didn't realize how um, kind of niche Twitter could be and very kind of small, um, small select communities. So once you know, once you click a hashtag, you can kind of just spend hours exploring, you know, different topics or as they call it, I believe, uh, tweetatorials oh, wow. um, that kind of, you know, break down, you know, really cool like clinical topics, um, which um, I've kind of used to um, supplement a lot of my um, kind of medical education to kind of get a different perspective. Um, so I'd say that, you know, Twitter is so important in disseminating information, you know, real time, as well as, you know, you never know who you'll reach through mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, you never know who will notice that picture or that event that you promoted or, you know, really just the connections. Um, because I've, um, you know, I've met some of my um, kind of best uh, Native medical student friends off of Twitter. And we finally got to meet at the Chicago meeting of the Association of American Indian Physicians, which was, sh- which was so... Um, 
so cool um, because, you know, it, it just starts with a tweet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that Twitter has definitely been a way to connect to the larger kind of native medical community in that, you know, if there are about, uh, I think, half of all medical schools have no American Indian or Alaska Native students, and only about 9% of them have four more students. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, essentially kind of normal to be the only one or one of the few um, in medical school as a Native American. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you really look towards online communities like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram to really show that, you know, we're here, you know, we're strong, we're resilient, we're indigenous, and we have a perspective in medicine that has been historically disregarded, but is unquestionably needed. Wow, that's great. Is there anything else you'd like the audience to know? Anything else you'd like to say about you or your work or Native Americans and medicine in general? My goal for the second year of medical school is really increasing Native presence at UC San Diego. And just uh, last week, we had Dr. Melissa Deer, who is the chief medical officer for the San Diego American Indian Health Center, one of our urban IHS clinics in San Diego, come speak to our medical students. And we had record turnout in that I think about 85 students uh, came to the event, which was really exciting because (laughs) she was talking about a lot of federal policies that forcibly relocated Native Americans from their traditional territories to Mm -hmm. major urban centers in an effort to assimilate them into American culture. Um, And really the kind of loss of language, the loss of traditions in that, um, you know, a lot of people think that the history of the American Indian is in the past, or these things happened 400, 500 years ago. But to many, um, to many uh, from our communities, they don't realize that it's still happening today. I'm curious if you feel like beyond your advocacy interests, uh, how do your experiences as a Native American influence your perspective on medicine and on uh, sort of your career? You know, I think many people say that if you know one Native American, you know one Native American. Um, you'll certainly get a different answer from another and a different answer from another. And if you know one Native tribe, you only know one Native tribe. And that um, Native, the term Native American or American Indian is a very um, kind of umbrella term that doesn't really capture the diversity of the over 573 federally recognized tribal nations that have a um, unique government-to-government relationship with the United States that um, provides uh, for the provision of physicians through the Indian Health Service as well as a number of social services. So um, I think, at least from my perspective, um, you know, to have people aware of issues is um, very important um, in that, you know, when you're, um, when you're not with them or they're in a setting where they can speak up, um, they actually do that. Um, if you ask a lot of my second year classmates um, how many uh, tribal nations are across San Diego County, uh, many of them will immediately say 18, <laughs> um, which is a lot better than where we started at the beginning of the year. Um, and just, uh, just about a month ago, I had a classmate of mine um, text me out of nowhere and say, hey, like, what do you think about the word powwow? Like, is that, o- is that okay to say? Mm. And, you know, I... I immediately responded, well, I mean, if you have to ask, you know, it's probably not right to say. Um, And he responded, and I smiled because he said, 
you know, it's, um, you know, this person was, you know, saying, you know, let's, let's get a powwow together to refer to a meeting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I immediately thought of you and, you know, the conversations that we've had, and I called her out on it, um, which was really exciting to me, because it, it showed that, um, you know, I'm making at least an individual impact, um, and that's going a long way in changing the culture at UC San Diego School of Medicine, as well as really creating healthy learning environments and that, you know, you really try to um, deconstruct stereotypes or misperceptions that people have about American Indians and Alaskan Natives. Mm -hmm. That's really great. It is my sincere hope that we're making incremental change um, with the work of the Association of Native American Medical Students, as well as uh, with the kind of support from our other uh, student affinity organizations, because I'm I'm one student. I'm N equals one. And, <laughs> um, you know, at the medical school, there are only two tribal members. So half of them at the medical school are in this room. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, a small community that has um, a lot of need. Um, and I think that some of the greatest support that I've received from the medical school outside of the administration and our staff are actually from my fellow classmates and peers and colleagues even uh, because they recognize that you know I'm doing a lot on my own and um, you know it's it's challenging um, you know kind of balancing um, this kind of um, kind of internal struggle of identity where you know I want to be the best physician that I can be but I also don't want to accept the status quo mm -hmm. so you know it's striking a balance between that has really been challenging but um, you know some of the people that I I lean on every day um, are my classmates that's really great um, well, those are all my questions for you today uh, can you let our listeners know where they can find you if they want to talk to you more about your work sure um, so um, you know, to connect with the UC San Diego Association of Native American Medical Students, um, you know, you can find us with a quick Google search, um, UCSD ANAMS, uh, A-N-A-M-S, or you can also um, follow, uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I believe my handle is AJ Kalak, uh, which is uh, A-J-C-A-L-A-C. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. It was really great to talk to you. Chris, thank you so much. That's all for this episode. Thank you for joining us on N equals one. You can find more episodes at health.ucsd.edu forward slash podcast. Again, that's health.ucsd.edu forward slash podcast. Thank you.